Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. today claire terminator 2 terminator 2 and in this one arnold schwarzenegger is back but he's not a bad guy he's from 36 years in the future from where they are at the present day in the movie not the first one the second one is it 36 years in the future did they say that in the trailer it was either 30 or 36 but he's from the future and he was sent to protect the younger one the younger version of the leader of John Connor? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well... I noticed a weird thing. Hey, well, hang on a second. Let's... Before we get into the trailer, I would like to talk about why are we watching the sequel to Terminator in the first place? Um, because when we finished Terminator, you said that you really very much wanted to watch the sequel. So I'm curious, um, Are A, are you still excited to watch the sequel to that movie? And B, what made you so excited in the first place to want to watch more of The Terminator? Well, I'm going to start with B because it's okay. an easier one to answer that I thought more of. I want to. I was so excited to want to see the, um, I forgot, the prequel. Yeah, prequel. I mean, I guess it's the prequel. It's the first sequel one in the is, series. Sequel is the same as the same as Terminator 1, but edited. Uh-huh. And made of new. So but a prequel is like the next movie in the series, so it's sort of like a prequel. But anyways, um I'm not I, sure that's right. <laughs> or have it the other way around. I think anyways. you might have it the other way around. That's okay. Anyways. Anyways, um Dang it, I forgot what I was gonna say. So we were talking about Terminator Two. Uh, in the sense of what made you want to watch it I so much? I wanted to start with B because um, it's an easier one to answer. Uh -huh. And anyways, um, I, wa I want to see the new one because it's starting off from a state that they ended at. Uh -huh. Because um, like at the end of the movie, you see her getting her picture, the mom uh -huh. getting her picture that gets burned earlier than the movie. Right. But anyways... Um, they ended it where the Terminators were coming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then they started off in the next movie where the Terminators, where the where she's continuing driving on into the Terminator storm mm. that it starts off at. So based on what you saw in the trailer, um, we, we know that we're further in her future, in Sarah Connor's future, right? Because yeah. John's got to be at least 12 or 13 or 14, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is like 14 or 15 years in the future for her. Um, did it look like she was in a good place when you saw her in the trailer? Nah. No, not so much. 
not so much because she was she was very good at protecting herself in the first one when she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But then now she's just like she's just <laughs> expecting her son to save her or the Terminator. Oh, okay. And Interesting. If that dies, say bye bye to her life. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'd be very curious to hear what you think about the movie once you see it. Um, that's interesting. Uh, so you were saying, though, before we got sidetracked, before I sidetracked us, um, that you noticed some differences in the trailer. Yeah. Um, one of the differences I saw is that the mom's hair color and she sounded and looked different. Mm-hmm. Like in the first one, Sarah Connor had gold, yellow hair, yellowy hair. Mm-hmm. She had white she had light skin this one she still she still has light skin but it's a little bit darker Mm -hmm. sort of like my skin color Mm -hmm. in the first one she's like practically pretty much white Mm. so she's a little bit more tan in this one you think yeah and And her hair's different yeah yeah. it's brown and she also talks different Mm. the sound of frequency Mm -hmm. is a little bit like a little bit higher Mm. It's a little bit higher. Like the first one. <laughs> She's got a higher voice. It's sort of like in the middle. It's sort of like a little bit under like the middle. But then now it's like a little bit over the middle. Interesting. So the first movie she talks like I'm talking like now. Uh-huh. But in the second movie, like in the trailer we just saw, she's like, um, she's talking like this. Oh. <laughs> Um, so the Terminator one was made in 1983 or 84. It came out in 84 and Terminator two came out in 1991. So that was made in 1990. So there's math like seven years of time has passed in real life for the actress that plays Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton. Um, that's interesting, right? That so much time has passed and she's going back to play the same role again. I wonder why her hair is brown. Uh, Maybe she had it dyed lighter or lightened. And maybe it got just a little bit darker. Maybe as she got older. I don't know. But it's even a totally different style, you know? She had such big hair in the first movie. And she had curly hair. Yeah. Now she's got straight hair, right? So what do you think about the idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger being a good guy in the new one? I think that's pretty cool that he has like more Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that is like he's a good guy uh-huh, uh-huh. or like he's like one of the main roles of good guys. Gotcha. Like in Kindergarten Cop, he's one of the main roles. Mm-hmm. Main, so the main role is um, him. Careful. The two main roles is him and um, Penelope, mm-hmm. the one with the light gold hair who had... Um, you're talking kindergarten cop. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His her son, I forgot his name. Dominic. Dominic, yeah. 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 Um All right. So, let's see. I I don't really think we have anything else to talk about. Is there anything else that you want to say based on what you saw I in the trailer? To explain A. <laughs> okay, what was A? Actually, sort of, I incorporated A into the B. What was my A question? I don't even remember. Your A question was, um, why are you, why were you so excited to see it? And your B question was, um, so why were you so excited to see it? And B was, um, like, was like, did you, was like, what, was like another different question? It started with why, and did 
I think it was sort of like number. I think it was like A, but it was like you were di- you were saying that. So the first time for A, you said like um like when uh-huh. I wanted to, and then the second time you said why mm. I wanted to. I think I need to be better about my questions. Is yes. what I'm, I'm thinking from from this. I should not have asked it like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you still excited to watch the sequel? Yeah. All right. Do you want to go do it? Uh-huh. All right, let's go do it. I don't know how much longer I can hold this. just finished watching Terminator 2. Yes, we did. <laughs> and um I don't know what to talk about. I just wanted to open this. Well, you if you <laughs> open it, you have to know what to do next. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you want to keep going or are you going to pick the topic? What are, like I'll what do you want to talk about first? Um I want to talk about how I, I want to talk about the butterfly effect again. All right. So, first of all, what is the butterfly effect? The butterfly effect is when you change something from the past, which affects the future. Okay. And why do you want to talk about the butterfly effect first? Because it's the, it's one of the first things I noticed. Okay. That I thought most about. The, right. like So, um, somewhere like in the middle of the movie, like maybe an hour in or something, mm-hmm. um, we're watching, we're watching, and then Sarah decides to um she decides to go in and kill the guy who made the terminators Mm -hmm. but what i was thinking is why would she kill the guy who made the terminators because if if she killed the guy who made the terminators wouldn't her son and the terminator disappear because um the guy who she fell in love with who had who she had um john connor right right john with um he wouldn't have come back if there were no Terminators. So I don't get how that past thing didn't affect the future. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think that's a good question. You know, time travel movies, well, see, I don't even know if I would call Terminator 2 a time travel movie. I guess there's time traveling in it, but it doesn't really seem that concerned about the rules of time travel as far as they're setting up. Like the, the biggest thing I think that it's interested in is in making sure that the rules say that they can't bring back future weapons uh, so that everything is dealt with um, man against machine in the present with weapons of the present. But like, like you said though, where what happens if she kills Miles Dyson and then Cyberdyne systems fails? Like what happens? Is the apocalypse averted? What happens with the timeline? Does John Connor cease to exist? Like, they don't seem too interested in answering those questions, at least certainly not in this one. Um, but, you know, time travel movies in general, they all have to kind of pick the rules and how they're going to deal with it. Do you, th- does that, do you think that takes you out of the movie where you're thinking about, like, well, wait a second, how does this even work? Um, Did it bother you? No, not that much. Really what I was bothered about is why they weren't answering questions is why they weren't 
following the basic rules of butterfly effect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think that's a good question, actually. Um, what do you think the answer would be as far as, like, what if they did kill Miles Dyson? Do you think that, um, that the apocalypse would be averted? Do you think that the well, Judgment Day wouldn't happen? Well, how many scientists? Was it just Miles Dyson? I think that's a very good question. If there were only Miles Dyson, then yes, maybe the apocalypse wouldn't happen. But if there was more than one, yeah, they could probably rebuild that office and just keep going with the Terminator thing. And it would just be averted for like maybe a couple years. Right? Like, yeah. you you know, I always think about in exactly in the context of um, the time travel question and the, and the butterfly effect like you're talking about. I think about that opening scene, like the first time that you see Miles Dyson at Cyberdyne Systems. Um, he, he's introducing a new guy around, right? And the new guy comes in and he's like, hey, I know I'm, I'm new here, but how'd you guys get all this stuff? And Miles is like, oh, uh, when I signed on, they said, don't ask, right? And like, I think about that scene and what that tells me is that Number one, Miles Dyson may be the head of the project or the brilliant mind behind what's going on, but there are literally dozens of people working with this information. Dozens of people and a whole company's designed to make money off of it. So, like, do you think that all that knowledge is just in those computers in Miles Dyson's head? Like, I agree with you. I don't I, I don't think killing Michael D- Miles Dyson would avert the apocalypse. I, I think it's too little well, too late. Maybe. Maybe um, he's the mastermind of the thing, and it might avert the comp- the um, apocalypse. It might. It's probably still going to happen, but instead of averting it a couple years, because if he's the mastermind and there isn't someone else working for him yeah. or working above him, yeah, he's. It's probably going to hold off maybe a couple hundred years, but well, but even if it just like it seems unlikely that. So I guess this is another thing that I want to talk about too, right? Because this is related to this. So like when she goes to do that, um, she carves in her her picnic table, uh, no fate, right? And they talk about the line from Kyle Reese from the first one where, you know, he says that, you know, the future is what we make it. You know, there's there's no fate except for the decisions that you make right now and the actions that you take. And you get whatever future you get based on the choices that you make, not something that's set in advance, right? Um. But it kind of makes me wonder, like, if the Judgment Day is based on the robot apocalypse and the rise of technology and artificial intelligence, that's not an insane idea, right? Like, that's not just one person's crazy idea. That's, like, I think that's, like, thinkable. Anybody could think of that idea and then figure out what to do. So then maybe it's inevitable. Like, maybe just killing, like you said, Miles Dyson, maybe it delays it a couple of years. Maybe it delays it... um, Years. a couple hundred years or whatever but, but it's still gonna happen right and i think that's within the rules of the movie that it has set up that's why it has more movies right well i think it has more movies because terminator 2 made like a billion dollars in 90s money or something like that um and so it, like that's another thing too is you know there are a lot of franchises out there you know this franchise right do you understand what i mean when i say that okay cool for a minute, I thought that you were talking. There's two ways to say that. I like saying franchises. I don't know why, but when you say franchise, <laughs> when you say, but when you said franchises, I was like, why does that not sound right? <laughs> well, it, it's definitely right, and franchises is 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 incorrect. But I do like saying it like that. I'm not going to say it like that, but I like it. Um, but no, like um, so like this, 
you know, franchises, when they start making them, they exist because they make money, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes you write these stories and then I think if you work for a movie studio, then you have to think, well, how could we continue this story, right? And then you have to figure that out and shoehorn it in versus something like, okay, here's a different example, right? Like um, you've watched all of the Marvel movies, right? Mm-hmm. When I watch those movies, I get the perspective that there's a big giant studio behind it interested in making hundreds of millions of dollars off of this. But I also get the perspective that, you know, they have a plan from the beginning over these 10 years of like how they want the story to go and how they want all these things to interact together. And it's very well designed in that way. But I don't think the Terminator franchise is designed like that. I think that you have an instance of they made Terminator 1 and people loved it and they wanted to come back, like Jim Cameron was saying in that thing that we were watching after the movie. And so they wanted to come back and do more with it. And so they figured out how they could come back. And that's when um, Stan Winston was like, well, you know, he was built in a factory. He comes off an assembly line. So they all look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I guess, because he's so cute. Um which is a very funny way to say that. Um, but so that's the way that they concocted it is that you can bring Arnold Schwarzenegger back and, and you can have him be in the show because he comes off an assembly line. So they solved that problem of how to bring Arnold back. And then, I, you know, I think for the other movies, they have to solve that problem of like, well, if we beat Judgment Day, how does it come back? And they do talk about that in Terminator 3, um, like exactly that. That's, I think Terminator 3 is kind of the core answer to that question. Um, and then four is four is, I think, more in uh, the apocalypse time. It's like after Judgment Day has happened and, and Junk Hunter has grown up and it's more focused on just him. Uh, and then five is like five starts to get weird because the franchise is all weird and they start pretending that certain episodes, I think, didn't quite happen or something like that. And they start messing around with time. But I think the, the most recent one, the, the Genesis one is um terminator genesis is uh like that's the one that i think of as a time travel movie because they start messing around with time travel stuff like that one you want to talk about butterfly effect like you see a bunch of stuff that happens as a result of that like they really do timey-wimey stuff with it i got off on a tangent on franchises sorry about that (laughs) we just we just spent like nine minutes and 30 seconds just talking about the butterfly effect and how it affects the Terminator movies. Right. Um, all right. Well, so the time travel stuff, I think, is not as well developed in Terminator 2 as it could be. And there's definitely a lot of questions left over. But what did you think about the rest of the movie? Did you um, did you have fun with it? Did you enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What did you like about it? I liked I liked all the technical effects. Oh, yeah. A lot of good effects, right? But what my favorite part was is that is that in the app, in the thing we watched after the movie that was uh-huh. like half of, um, it said that they actually blew up a real office building. <laughs> That's crazy, there. right? Could you believe that they did that? I had no idea that they had blown up a building for that. For for for, for a while, I for a while, like through this whole thing, I was thinking like, wait a minute, maybe they just built that up just to blow it up. I well, you know, that's they said in the um in the special feature reel that um that the factory, the metal factory at the end of the movie, that that used to be a metal factory and that um it was shut down and then the movie crew came in and they reconditioned it so that it would look like an active metal factory. So they were really in this big giant place. You know, none of that stuff was computer effects or, you know, painted on after they shot it, you know, digitally. No green. 
Yeah. No green. No green screen, nothing like that. All practical in-camera effects. That's pretty crazy, right? Here's here's a fact about green screen. Oh, okay. You can actually create your own green screen. All you need to do is paint your house green. That is true. That is true. It if, doesn't have to be a professional green screen. It can just be anything green. Yeah, yeah. Do you know why they use the green for the green screen? I'm not 100% sure. I think it's because it's um, a color that you don't usually see. And it's easier for them to chop out that that singular color of green as a computer program and then put something else back in. But I'm not totally sure. Um, well, what was your favorite effect outside of the building explosion? Mm. Like, what was the coolest one that you saw? Melting. Uh-huh. The screaming of the guy who's like... <laughs> How did that go again? It's like... Yeah, he really gets high-pitched there. <laughs> I can't do that perfectly. It just takes a minute. <laughs> okay, I think that's good. Let's cut that out now. Uh, no, like I like, I really like the shot of when um, the Terminator shoots the T one thousand when he's frozen and he shatters in all those pieces, and then you see the puddle coming back together. I kind of wonder how they shot the puddle effects because uh, I thought that looked really cool. Mm, I sort of, I sort of don't understand why they blew him up, why they, why they did that, and then they're not running away because Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, well, the good one, right, said. I said, we need to get out of here. And then they're just watching him go together. Yeah, classic movie mistake, right? Like, what are you doing? Well, and, like, my thing with the shooting, like, so, okay, so they free, like, he gets frozen in liquid nitrogen, right? And he can't move. So he's this big block of metal, frozen metal ice thing or whatever's going on there, right? But then they shoot him and he goes into tiny little blocks. I feel like the tiny little blocks are going to melt a whole lot easier than one giant block of ice. Because I think if you have one giant block of ice, it's harder for it to melt. So when well, he shoots him was, and shatters him... Well, there was hot lava going over there. Right. So maybe if they just left him there, they could talk about how he ha- about how they're throwing the guy in there, how they're fixing her. They would have like... I don't know, like 30 minutes of that gone mm-hmm. and just talking about the basic effects. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, well, not like talking about it, but like, but like showing what happens after that. Because in the movie, it only shows them watching him and crying. It only shows John and Sarah watching the, watching ter- the Terminator, the good one, or Arnold Schwarzenegger dying, going in the puddle, and then the movie ends. Mm-hmm. One, I don't think that's a good way to end a movie. Just putting it off at a point where it could still be going. Uh huh. Well, that was your same beef with cooties, wasn't it? Is that, yeah. like, why didn't they end at the place where kids wouldn't go? And so you want to know, like, what happens next in the Terminator movie? And it's only one cooties. <laughs> but this one has, like, six, uh-huh. eight uh-huh. Terminators. Cooties has, who know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there are no more uh, cooties movies. At least People not who don't know how to speak Spanish, you know means one. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Um, okay, so one thing I wanted to ask about is, so, all right, so you watched the original Terminator, right? When Sarah Connor was a waitress and she was shocked with all of this news about how she would uh, have 
John Connor as a son who'd saved the human race and the responsibility of all she's that. She's like, and the first thing, she's like, she was like, when she saw the Terminator, she's like. In the hospital, in the Terminator 2? No, 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 no. In the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. Where she yeah, saw yeah. him, where she saw him for the first time has his, where his, where his skin came off yeah. and the metal showed. Yeah. She's like, what the frick? <laughs> um. What did you think about the change in Sarah Connor's character from the first movie to the second movie? Do you think that was believable? Mm, no. Why? When I first saw the trailer, I thought that they actually switched the actor. Because in the first movie, she looks so different. her hair was blonde and curly and all that. Mm-hmm. But the second movie, so different. Mm-hmm. Her hair is brown or black. I don't mm-hmm. know which one. I think it's brown. Hers brown. She puts it into ponytails. It's way longer. Mm-hmm. And it's straight. Mm-hmm. It I... looks like, for some reason, I feel like any of the prisoners there, because we saw all those prisoners, all those prisoners had either, had either brown or black hair, and mm-hmm. it was straight. Mm-hmm. I think that they switched her from the big blonde hair to the straight brown hair that goes in ponytails as part of a way to show that she's become much more practically minded. Like, she doesn't make time to go to the hairdressers to get her hair dyed or permed or blown out or whatever, right? She just grows her hair and she puts it in a ponytail and she cuts it when she remembers to cut it. Um, And I think that matches with her approach to raising John, right? Because, I mean, like, they talk about the fact that she went and found... You know, every uh, fighter, you know, uh, person who has skills, anybody that had skills that would be useful in an apocalyptic world, she went and got to know and had them teach her and John how to do all this stuff. Um, And I I think that, to me, kind of fits in with the big change for her character because, like, she's so serious um, now. She has to be. It's just a Terminator. Well, as long as it doesn't go after me, I'm fine. As long as it doesn't find me, I'm fine. I go to the hairdresser every day <laughs> to get my hair permed and permed and dyed and everything. Second one. I don't care about any of this. I just want to get out of this dang hospital. Yeah. You're crazy. You don't believe me. What you're gonna be fucked up? You're gonna be word up in the in the apocalypse. You gotta with the swearing, Claire. It's no bueno. It's no what? Bueno. It's his word. It's our words. Yeah. Um. It's fine. I'm just copying. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what it's called when you copy when you take someone else's writing or something, and then you just take it for yourself. I forgot what's that called. That's that plagiarizing. Like, you should I'm not do plagiarizing that. Plagiarizing her words. Well, that's quoting. If you're talking about that, that's just <laughs> quoting. That's not plagiarizing. You can quote, but don't plagiarize. That's not cool. Okay. Um, Copy. Right. No, no, no. Hey, hang on. Hang on. I just quoted. All right. All right. Let's let's bring it back to the conversation. Okay. So, um, what? Like, I it really struck me watching the movie this time that when you when Sarah Connor meets the good Terminator in the hospital that look of terror on her face um i think really struck me uh this time around because it says to me that like when she found out that she was gonna be the mother of the savior of the human race like i think that broke her like that can you imagine the amount of pressure if somebody said that you claire das have to live 
and you have to raise a child who's capable of saving the human race from the machine uh, war or else humanity will be enslaved and annihilated. Like, what would you do? I'd say, Kay, get out of my house. <laughs> like, I would say hard pass. No, thank you. <laughs> Good luck, humanity. Like, I would not want the responsibility I'm not, for that. I'm not getting pregnant for a long time, people. <laughs> I'm not even going to get pregnant. I'm just going to adopt people. <laughs> okay. I don't want to go through the pain of nine months and contrast and stomach aches that feel that feel like that. Like, one of my favorite shows had um someone who was pregnant, a character who was pregnant mm-hmm. from Fuller House. Kimmy was pregnant. She had, she had, um... She, she was hurting. She thought it was a contraction or something. Mm-hmm. But it was really just a fart, and they paid $200 just for her to fart on a nurse. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that that's what your idea of pregnancy is. It's not that far off, actually. Um, all right. Well, so uh, what else should we talk about? We talked about uh, Sarah Connor's changing character and kind of some of the pressure that she had to we raise about John Connor. some of the costuming designs, but not the whole thing. What did you think about John Connor? Did you identify with him at all? Mm, it, I think the reason they changed her, they changed her is so that she would look alike. Because if her hair was still like yellow and curly, they would have to have the actor for John Connor's hair have different yellow hair. and curly. Yeah. But he was probably like, but in the thing, he's probably like, no. <laughs> no, if you turn my hair yellow and curly, I. All right. Imagine me breaking a pencil and then saying, "That's what I'm gonna do to you." <laughs> just snap you in half like a pencil. It's what a Terminator could actually do. They could just pick up a person and they go on their knee. Yeah, I mean that was another thing too. Is when the Terminator they asked the Terminator like, "How do you know how to give stitches?" And she's like, "Well, I bet he has detailed medical files on you know how people work, and because that makes him a more efficient killing machine." And I'm like, "Yeah, but they have laser guns and they're super strong. I don't think you need to know human anatomy that well to know that being super strong and having laser guns is going to be destructive to humans." But uh, I guess. Uh, well, I guess I don't know. I guess we've been going for like twenty minutes now. What have we not talked about that you think we should talk about? Anything? Mm, costuming. What do you think about that? Um, I really thought it was uh, going back to what you're saying about the puddles. Yeah. I think sort of like what they did was they took. I've actually seen a YouTuber do this before. They took some like melted metal and stuff, mm-hmm. and if you actually take a magnet and go like this, mm-hmm. it'll go together and form back up. Mm-hmm. But you need like hot metal and stuff, so they probably did that. But like, but they probably paused it every now and then so that it would heat, so that they could heat it up more, so it would keep forming. So they. Well, they probably didn't do that. They probably just filmed it where they had the magnet, the crewman pulling up the magnet with the hot, with hot on top. Mm-hmm. They probably just edited that, edited that out or they had it green. They had the crew. My guess is that it probably is liquid metal, but it's, uh, I, my, yeah, I think it would probably, my guess is actually is that it's uh, probably mercury or something like that or some other metal that. Well, I thought Mercury is a planet. It is a planet, but it's also a metal that's liquid at room temperature. That's probably why they actually pronounce it Mercury, and then the metal is called Mercury. I think the planet is also Mercury. No, they're they're both Mercury. I'm pretty sure. Okay. 
But it's more known as Mercury. <laughs> you and your wrong pronunciations, though. You're very insistent that they be right. Fran- franchises and Mercury is where we're at. No, Mercury is one of the right sayings. For some people, Mercury is how you pronounce it. All right. I'll give you that much. I agree with that. Um, all right. So we've talked about the pronunciation of Mercury. And we've talked about costumes. If you're going to say Mercury, say Mercury. Don't joke around or make fun. I'm not making fun. I'm just quoting. I'm quoting. That's what we do, right? We quote. Don't frown at me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I think that's probably enough uh, for this particular episode. Unless there's anything else that you want to say. So would you want to watch Terminator 3? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd be interested in watching more of the series? Yeah. I want to see, for some reason, I want to skip Terminator 3 and see Terminator 4 or Terminator 5 to see the time travel ones. Mm. I, I and think... How they deal with time travel. Yeah, I... want to see if they get the mo- the monarch butterfly effect right <laughs> I call it the monarch. No, that's Some people fine, call yeah. it the monarch effect. Some people uh-huh. call it the butterfly effect. Uh-huh. You put that together, the monarch butterfly effect. Okay. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I think monarch is more right because I don't get what they mean by butterfly because butterflies flap their wings. They don't do anything else. Or maybe they're going Well, but that's the point of the butterfly expression is that what what it's saying is something as simple as the flapping of wings could cause through a chain of events something enormous to happen. Oh, yeah. Hence changing one one small thing. kill one butterfly. Yeah. because of the Mercury asteroid. Well, that's... Um, no, because of Mercury. I'm pretty sure the butterfly effect is a Ray Bradbury reference. Uh, he used to write um, a long time ago in the 50s and 60s. Uh, he wrote like science fiction stories. And one of them featured somebody going back in time. And they step out of their time pod and they squish a butterfly. And they get back in and they go back to the future. And everything is different. And they've changed a whole bunch of stuff because he squished that butterfly. And I think that's the butterfly effect. I think that's what they're referencing when they say it. Or maybe Ray Badbury was playing with that. But I, I think it's related to that. At least that's how I know it. And this is where just a full minute of silence. Well, it's not a full minute of silence. It was like 10 seconds of silence. All right, do you have anything to say before we get on out of here and go to the next segment? Um, I just want you people to know the butterfly effect is not a butterfly flapping its wings. It's a real thing and it could happen when time travel exists. And I'll be the one to create it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And on that note, I will see you guys on the other side. Bye. Why do we stop now? Now you gotta promise me you're not gonna kill anyone, right? Right. Swear? What? Just put up your hand and say, I swear I won't kill anyone. I swear I will not kill anyone. Alright, let's go. Alright, and I'm back on the back end of this particular episode. Um, you know, with all this talk of the butterfly effect, I think at some point I'm going to have to tell Claire that Ashton Kutcher starred in a movie entitled The Butterfly Effect. 
And I don't really remember that movie. I don't remember hating it or anything. I know I saw it. Um, but I also don't remember ever once recommending it to anybody. So I don't <laughs> I don't know how that conversation is going to go. But I feel like it's very probable that the butterfly effect is going to be a future episode of this podcast just by the way that that goes. And I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but, you know, I, I had said in that conversation uh, that I thought that, you know, the butterfly effect is something popularized as like a thought experiment by Ray Bradbury um, back in the day. Uh, but as soon as we were done uh, talking, uh, Claire and I, for that segment, uh, she and I both uh, looked up the Wikipedia article together on uh, the butterfly effect and uh, who uh, created it. And uh, it's a term closely associated with the work of Edward Lorenz, uh, who is a chaos theory guy. Which, if you remember your Jurassic Park characters, um, that is uh, Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park, played by Jeffrey Goldblum, uh, really brought sexy back to the chaos theory mathematicians. Um, I saw no pictures of Edward Lawrence, so I do not know if he is a particularly sexy mathematician or not. Um, but he's he's kind of the one who came up with the uh, that particular thought experiment back in the 1960s to kind of talk about what chaos theory math is. And since I have no knowledge of chaos theory math, uh, that conversation I don't think was instructional for Claire. I provided no inside knowledge uh, other than my knowledge of Jurassic Park and the sexy Jeff Goldblum, which I feel like is an acceptable parenting thing. I guess that's kind of things though that like as parents that we wind up talking about with our kids is stuff that we don't totally understand. You know, like it's a it's an old joke, right? That the kids just ask why? Okay, why? 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 You know, it's why is all the way down to the bottom and then it's still more wise um and you know you're just not going to have the answers to all these things uh especially for me like math related questions i just don't have the answers like claire's getting to a point where even the way that they talk about their math homework i'm not totally sure that i could figure it out i think i could figure it out i'd have to study i don't think i'm so terrible at math. We've gone sideways in this conversation. The point that I'm trying to make um, is that, you know, a, a lot of times I just I try and share with Claire the knowledge of things that I have and provide the context that I have available to me. Um, but, you know, I've always been a, a very kind of inquisitive person. I think my kids take after me um, in that same way. And I want to know the answers. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to live in the information age where I can take out my magic device and just delve into the depths of human knowledge and find out the answer to a question that I had on a whim, on a joke, or just in a casual conversation with my kid. And I like that. Um, I, I, I think... It's not so much about teaching them what the right answers are, or, you know, what exactly chaos theory is, who, who came up with it, which is not something I'm saying because I didn't totally know the answer. Um, but I, I think it's more about just fostering an interest in learning more about the things going on around them and increasing their interest and understanding of uh, context and things going on around them. And so I, I like, I, I enjoy doing that. Um, plus, I mean, who among us has not lost the better part of six hours going down multiple Wikipedia rabbit holes? I mean, like, that is a thing. I guess maybe I should probably try and instill in Claire, in uh, Harper and Quinn as well, an aversion to, you know, just losing hours and hours of time to 
um, casual <laughs> reading, especially things that just don't seem to like stick with me the next day. Like I, it's, it's so funny, like knowledge has become so ephemeral, um, in that like you have access to all of these things. And so none of it lives in your brain. It's like, you've got an external hard drive, uh, to the, the, the knowledge of the human race. And when you don't need it, you just don't know any of it. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, or one day all these computers are going to turn off and what's going to happen. Oh, and hey, look, segue, we're coming back around to Terminator 2, where all the machines take over and kill everybody and we lose access to all those things. Um, I guess in Terminator 2, you really are not at that point dealing with a fully realized worldwide web of information at that particular point. I, you know, that's kind of them thinking about how that's going to be. Um, but it's, it's funny talking to Claire about stuff like this, you know, because, you know, she's grown up in a totally connected world. You know, like I, I can walk into a room and say, Alexa, turn on the library lamp and boom, all of a sudden, uh, like God, let there be light. I literally, uh, I, I said the Sorry, way I didn't find a device named library lamp all light. <sighs> oh, 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 I'm coming for you, Alexa. <laughs> How dare you interrupt my podcast uh no but uh you know so like i think her perspective on technology and the kinds of ideas that james cameron is exploring with terminator in general uh are, are sort of different but i think a lot of like the character work um is is pretty universal um like i i am genuinely fascinated by sarah connor's character i watched you know, Term Terminator 2 is one of the ones that, like, I, I loved very much uh, when it first came out. Uh, I was a big fan of it, and I think I kind of fell off of enjoying it. I think it's an amazingly, technically brilliant piece of work, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And the effects, even today, when I, you know, when I watch them, I think that they hold up and they just look outstanding. I, I really think it's a masterpiece in that way. Um, but, you know, my love kind of ebbs and flows with it. And this time around, um, I was just profoundly struck um, by Sarah Connor's arc and all the things that she goes with. Um, you know, that scene where the Terminator steps off the elevator and she sees Arnold Schwarzenegger having no context of him back as a as a good guy in this case, you know, because she she's not living in a in a franchise sequel. She's she's living in a hellscape and she's um, uh, you know, she's the only one who can see it coming um, and no one will listen to her. And what a what a great constant character type to put into a movie that I, I think is, you know, I mean, that, that goes as far back as right. The old myths and Cassandra and you know, the, the, the people who can see the future coming, but no one will listen to them to avert the bad things and the, the damage that that does to you as a person um, who is trying to make things better. And I like, I think that's an amazing uh, storyline. And I tried to explore that a little bit with Claire in conversation. We talked a little bit about it, um, before the movie and, and, um, you know, we, during a bathroom break in the movie, we talked some more about it and you kind of heard us talk a little bit about it on the podcast. Um, so I don't expect her to come away with kind of all the contextual knowledge of, I think what James Cameron is kind of doing with Sarah Connor, but I, I do want her to come away with an appreciation for the fact that, you know, I, I think Sarah Connor is a really tragic character. And the more I look at the Terminator franchise as a whole, the more I really genuinely think that, that Sarah Connor is the hero of that story that you know 
John Connor is the thing that happens because of all the hard work um, that that everyone else has done. And I, I guess maybe that's selling John Connor's efforts in the, the <laughs> robot apocalypse a bit short. Um, but it's but it's Sarah Connor. And, you know, more than anyone else in the entire franchise, you know, she starts out just as a as a carefree kid and has to take on the weight and pressure of, uh, you know, raising the leader of the post-apocalyptic rebellion against the killer robots. I mean, it's no wonder she's got issues. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I try in movies like this where, you know, because like you sit down with Terminator, there's not too much to say about it. I mean, you guys have all seen Terminator 2. I think it's one of the movies that, that people t- like that's that's a touch point you know you can go anywhere and say superman terminator you know these are things that people i I think all connect with pretty universally or at least have some knowledge of it um and so you put claire down in front of the movie uh she super enjoyed it it's a lot of fun it's way less heavy than than i think the first one on its surface i think in in terms of the storyline it's actually much much darker um it's I, i think it's an interesting movie in that way um but you know, I, like Claire's going to sit down and enjoy it, and it's going to be a, a popcorn thriller for her, and she's going to have a lot of fun with it. And she did; um, she had great fun with it. You know, uh, she she found some of the stuff uh, a bit scary in the first Terminator, but in this one, uh, you know, there were moments of tension where she was concerned for the well-being of the characters, but there was no um, like, well, oh, maybe we need to take a break. You know. Um, so yeah have fun with the movies and i think that's part of what we're trying to instill and you know on the other side of it is to just provide some nuggets for her to sort of think about um you know some some little questions that might provoke uh some additional thought for her down on the line but i mean you know she's nine she doesn't have to get all this stuff um and just like i said this is kind of laying out the foundations for her to explore as as she goes forward and watching movies um yeah, I don't think that there's too much else that we really need to get into uh, in this particular one. I, I, I think that everything went quite well, and uh, I'm keen to watch Terminator 3 with her. Uh, I really don't remember Terminator Salvation. Uh, I don't remember being too impressed by it. Um, I don't remember disliking it all that much. It just didn't really leave much of an impact on me. I know everybody hates Terminator Genesis, but like, no fooling. I love that movie. And I love that movie precisely because of the fact that they get super weird with the time travel. Everybody talks about the Terminator franchise like their time travel franchise, but it's really not. Um, it's it's really just a device to get the killer back, you know, here and, and to kind of push people to think about what's going on. There's not a lot of time travel stuff going on until you get to Terminator Genesis. Because I think from a storytelling perspective, the way that they wind up telling this, the problem that the Terminator franchise has is that they just... they they don't really have uh, a functional world anymore. I mean, where people can go back and kind of inception time travel and go back even further and do that and, you know, go to different places. Like things get really weird and the timeline should get really weird. And even a nine-year-old watches this movie and goes, what even are the rules here? And if they do this, is it a paradox? Does none of this stuff happen? Are we in an alternate timeline? Like, is it a Back to the Future two scenario? Um, you know, is it a is it a uh, 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 you know is it a like a slider scenario where there are just multiple worlds that we're kind of pushing ourselves into? Like, what even is happening in this? And and I don't think it's something that they were too terribly concerned by, um, but like it's a really important facet for the way that they're telling a story. Um, and I, I think that they embrace that finally. Um, 
uh, with Terminator Genesis. I mean, the movie's got a got some issues. I get I get it. I get that I'm 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 on I'm the only person on this hill, but uh, I love it. I love it. But I'm a time travel guy. So, you know, anytime that Claire shows an interest in some time traveling stuff, I'm like, oh, (laughs) time travel stuff. Play cool, play cool, play cool. But have you seen these other 17 things? Let's all watch them right now. And, you know, you really shouldn't do that. Uh, I didn't try hard not to do that because, you know, uh, this is something that I I, I don't want her to just like the stuff that I like and dislike the stuff that I dislike. I, I want her to have a wide range of experience. But, you know, I'm human. And uh, when somebody starts talking like time travel stuff, I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> uh, what, what kind of books are you reading? Because I got some ideas for some books to read. I got some really good books that you could read. I got some good movies that you could read. A whole bunch of stuff. And then she'll get burned out on time travel and then I'll break it. And I don't want to do that. Um, but we'll definitely be watching Terminator 3 uh, going forward. Uh, I don't know if it'll be an episode of the podcast, um, but but she and I will definitely finish up the rest of uh, the Terminator franchise together, I think. Um, so yeah, on that note, if you are not already following uh, the podcast on Twitter, uh, you can follow Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures at B-A-C-E-A podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow me at WB Das on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd. Um, and as always, uh, Bill and Claire's Excellent Ventures is an In the Mouth of Darkness production. Uh, you can follow that podcast at ITMOD, I-T-M-O-D cast uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and you can follow the rest of the dorks. You can follow Brad Gullickson at Mouth Dork on all social medias. You can follow Lisa Gullickson at Wife Dork on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can also follow her at Bake Dork on Twitter and I think also on Instagram. Uh, and then you can follow Brian Young at The Turtle Dork on Twitter, at The Turtle Dork 1 on Instagram, and at Brian B. Young on Facebook. I said that like I was certain, but I'm still not. And I need to listen to Darren do it more because he is the master at this. And as always, speaking of Darren, you can find Darren the Disco Dork Smith on all social medias. Uh, And I don't know if you noticed, but we do have uh, Bill and Claire's Excellent Ventures has its own Podbean podcast feed now. Uh, So if you have not followed us on iTunes or Podbean, please follow, like, subscribe. If you could throw us some five-star reviews on Twitter, that would be super helpful. I'll even shout you out on the podcast. Uh, Brad Gillickson was kind enough to uh, provide us with a review. Uh, he said, Father Doddering, done right, five stars. Thank you, sir. Uh, he said, Bill and Claire are showing the rest of the world what parent-children relationships should be, and Claire is seriously schooling Bill on the nature of cyborgs. He's not wrong. Uh, Claire has very strong opinions about cyborgs and she has been quite articulate in expressing them and correcting me in the errors of my ways. Um, so that'll do it for this go round and we will see you guys all next time. Shut your eyes. Stay here, I'll be back.